This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. Today's episode features a very funny writer, raconteur, and BuzzFeed senior editor, Louis Peitzman, discussing his love of the television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is great fun for me because I love the show, and also thinking about Buffy makes me remember I'm lucky to be alive. I first watched Buffy back when I lived in Minneapolis, and our television was in the basement, and one day... I was just having a shitty day. I got mad at life, so I went downstairs to eat cheese and watch Buffy. It was an episode from the first season where a demon is being summoned, so there was all this chanting, and then there was this loud, racing, hellish wind noise. And then, suddenly, my television just turned itself off, which was incredibly annoying. Then I heard the exact same racing, hellish wind sound right outside my house, which in retrospect really should have alarmed me, but I was mostly just mad that Buffy had stopped playing, so I sat in my basement eating cheese bitterly and finally thought I should go upstairs and check on what that noise was. Here's what the noise was. That was the noise of a tornado landing a block from my house. So when I looked outside, there were trees in the street, shattered glass, and bits of people's roofs scattered everywhere, but there was no demon, which, honestly, I was a little bummed out about. So I finished my cheese, I called the insurance company, and about eight hours later, when the power was restored, I finished watching Buffy. I did also experience my first earthquake here in Los Angeles just a few days ago. Uh, Sadly, I was not watching Buffy. I was just sitting on my bed reading Twitter. Not as exciting of a natural disaster story, but if you are ever in just a light earthquake, try to be sitting on your bed because it makes it feel like a nice little massage. Anyway, if you enjoy this podcast, you can help make more episodes happen by supporting me on Patreon. For as little as $1, $2, or $5 a month, you can find all the details at patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. I've got several shows coming up. On January 23rd and 24th, I'll be doing some stand-up shows at the San Francisco Sketchfest, which is in San Francisco. And then back in L.A. on Monday, January 26th, I'll be hosting Pundemonium. It's a comedy slam in which audience volunteers compete to see who is the best at wordplay. The show is a big hit in Minneapolis, Chicago, Milwaukee, and this will be its debut in Los Angeles. The first show will also feature celebrity judges Mike Furman, Hal Lublin, and Nika Harper. Yes, you heard that right. This is a rare opportunity to be judged by a human being as nice as Mike Furman. It will be like getting whipped with a feather. I've now managed to make a wordplay show sound like a children's book version of Fifty Shades of Grey, so I will move on. Info on all of these shows can be found on my website at josephscrimshaw.com live dash shows. Thanks as always for listening. Now get yourself some cheese, brace for a possible tornado, and enjoy Lewis's obsession with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hello and welcome back to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting here with an awesome person, Louis Peitzman. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for asking. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Not a lot of guests ask me right away. Really? But how a, are you? It's a little rude. They kind of ask, but it's just rhetorical. I mean, I ask mostly so that you could keep asking me how I'm doing, so I could elaborate <laughs> on my condition. How's your condition? I'm fine. You know, my allergies are really bad. I'm a little wheezy today. <laughs> Um, you might hear a little wheeze in my voice. That's not an affectation. That's just the way I am right now. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like, 
emotionally, I'm fine. I'm good. You had a good holiday season? I had a great holiday season, yeah. Like, it was, oh, so actually good. Like, yeah, it was, like, really laid back. I hung out with friends. Nice, and, nice. And um, didn't feel, like, dread, <laughs> which is usually something I feel on the holidays, but I did not feel very much dread at all. That's awesome. Yeah, dread-free almost. Yeah, this, this was our first holidays in Los Angeles, and we didn't go home to Minnesota, where we're from, and that was amazing. It was a little chilly, not for you, but for most of us. It was chilly because you acclimate very quickly. Yes. So it was chilly with a huge dose of shame that it was 40 well, degrees think, and I couldn't take it. Yeah, but when you learn to like wear a t-shirt and shorts everywhere, uh-huh. not that I've ever worn shorts in my life, but theoretically, you, you get used to it very quickly and then you're like, oh wait, my like hoodie isn't keeping me warm. It's 40 <laughs> degrees and I'm not warm. So Yeah, I had a leather jacket ready to go because but now I I'm hate s- the cold. Now I'm sweaty, so I hate everything. <laughs> There's no pleasing me. So you had a good holidays, you're feeling good, but you hate everything. Exactly. <laughs> the Lewis Beitzman story. That is so me. <laughs> awesome. And your obsession that you're going to discuss with us is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. That is awesome. Uh, can you tell... Can you explain to somebody who has never actually heard of Buffy the Vampire Slayer what it is? Okay. Um, the title kind of says it all. <laughs> I mean, she slays vampires. Her name's Buffy. She slays vampires. Um, that's, like, very limited, but that's also kind of everything you need to know <laughs> to kind of move forward. Um, y- you know, she uh, there's a Scooby gang of her friends that help her. And there are various villains, and there are vampires, and they're usually bad, but sometimes they're good. <laughs> um, sometimes they're sexy. They're always sexy, but sometimes they're bad and sexy. Um, and there's demons and the forces of darkness, and it's, um, you know, it's it's a it's a, a warm, funny, often dark and sad show, which is like like me. I alternate <laughs> between warm and funny and just like totally bleak. Um, but it's great. And Buffy's great, and um, now that you're asking me to explain it, I have nothing intelligent to say, so you'll have to like actually ask me something specific that I can respond to. <laughs> that was, I thought that was great. That was very intelligent. It was terrible, but thank you. No, no. Uh, I had never thought about the true fact that all vampires are sexy. Well, that's just subjectively true. That's like outside of Buffy, all vampires are sexy. I feel like there has to be some unsexy vampire story out there. Oh, there are, but they're still sexy. Like, even... Twilight vampires? I mean, I know they're supposed to be sexy. Okay, well, they're absolutely sexy. <laughs> who, doesn't, who doesn't want to cuddle with someone who feels like marble? I mean, what's sexier than cold marble? Um, no, certainly there are vampires that are not supposed to be sexy, but they still live forever and drink blood, so there's something inherently sexy about yeah, that. Yeah, and a little bit of a sort of sexual allegory. Maybe just a little bit. Everything's, everything's sexual allegory. <laughs> this podcast is the sexual allegory. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so which character in Buffy do you relate to the most? Um, well, I alternate, but I'm probably a Xander. I think that most like semi-awkward boys who grew up watching Buffy identify with Xander, but also Willow in a way. Yeah. She's the, you know, they're both kind of the outcasts. Um, probably Willow less so because she's so fucking smart. Can we right. curse in this podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't curse Please. on Buffy, so I didn't know. Please fucking curse. That's... You can't curse on Buffy. Um, it was on network television. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think a mix of Xander and, and Willow. Yeah. Do you feel like Willow, like you grew into your power over the course of the show? I wish, I, I <laughs> wish I'd grown into, I mean, I do feel more secure and like with it than I did in high school mm-hmm. a lot. So I'm definitely less of a Xander now and he kind of grew up to be like, 
an unpleasant alcoholic. But in, in real life. Right? I met on the show, but <laughs> if you want to take it there. No, on the show he was like boozing it up. I being all so. sad towards yeah. season, season seven. Yeah. We I, repressed a lot of that, but he was just kind of sad. Season six and seven. Then he lost an eye. Spoiler alert. I focus on the part of Xander that was positive of this, the story change from he is the Zeppo, the one who is left out, the one who doesn't have powers, to the one who is sees everything clearly right. and has the grounded perspective. That's how you lose an eye. <laughs> um, sure. You wanna, if you want to look at it in a positive way, sure. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Willow came into her own power, but she also tried to destroy the world. So it's, it's a mixed bag, True. as life is. But I definitely find myself, those are the characters that I feel most related to, in a way. Do you feel like, do you ever relate to that positive side of Xander, where he is the one who can kind of see the friend group dynamic from the outside? Yeah, sure. If you want me to say nice things about myself, absolutely. <laughs> I do think I have, a, I do think I, have a, I have a good perspective. Okay. And I do think that I, um, you know, like many writers, like, see myself a little bit outside of everything, kind of recording it all. Yeah. And sort of documenting it, whether actually writing it down or just kind of mentally documenting what's happening. Okay. And now you grew up watching it. You watched it as it aired? I did. I started watching it when I was in high school, season six. So late. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And I I caught up very quickly on FX because they used to air two a day. Okay. So I would come home from school and I would watch two every day. And they were in chronological order until I was caught up. And then I bought the DVDs, but I didn't actually start actively watching it until season six, which is crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't watch it when it broadcast, because I think it was just sort of on the wrong cusp of geekdom for for what was going on in my life. Um, And then I gobbled it up on Netflix very quickly. But so for me, it wasn't the social experience, but it seems like for a lot of people, it was a social experience. I mean, it was weird, because I definitely came into it late, but I also was like super active on LiveJournal when I was 16 and 17. And it was sort of my first exposure to fandom. I was definitely, I was late to it, but I also was, like, in it, and I was making icons, and I was, like, you know, voting in polls, and (laughs) feeling like I was part of a community, which I hadn't really felt before. So, as late to it as I was, like, I definitely had at least the tail end of that. Cool. And I was, like, totally looking up spoilers online, which was, you know, it was the early days of getting spoiled for shows. Oh, really? You know, you actively sought them out. Oh, yeah. Is that a a controlling thing or is that a just you I don't, couldn't I would help never yourself? do that I would never do that anymore it yeah. was like at the time like the fact that you could just kind of like search for spoilers was cool yeah and I mean a lot of it was like speculation which I still like to look at because that's fine but yeah. I remember there's a site that would have the scripts up like a day early and really I, like, read the finale script the day early and I was like why did I do that but I did and it was the accurate script yes yeah that's insanity yeah it's not I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> well it's insanity that do scripts get leaked like that now? I didn't think. They I don't got think leaked. so. I mean, I think yeah, it was also way. sort of like, yeah, it was. It was you know, people who knew where to look, like knew how to find it. But also, it wasn't like common okay. knowledge in the same way that it would be today if you leaked a script. Yeah, then it would be on every fucking article, right? Every website in the world. Um, did you prefer Angel, Spike, or Riley? Okay, you laugh at Riley because <laughs> no one, you know, that no one prefers Riley. Um. I go back and forth. I got asked about this on Ask FM okay. last night, and someone said, are you Team Angel or Team Spike? Or no, it was, it was Kill, Fuck, Mary, Spike, Angel, and Riley. Oh, okay. Right. So the, the easy one, Riley, it's easy, but 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm more attracted to Angel because there's a mo- little bit more stability there, which yeah. is not saying much. I mean, <laughs> he's a mess too, but Spike's so volatile, and like that was really cool when I was 16. Yeah. But now I feel like Angel would be a better provider. I th- absolutely think he would be a better so provider. So now I'm gravitating more toward Angel. And how do you think Riley falls in the spectrum? Do you think it's right that people such as myself laugh at Riley? Yes, yes. He's a terrible <laughs> character. Terrible on every front. It's not, you know, it's a combination of factors, but everything, no, I mean, awful. Terrible. Yeah. What would you do as a writer to make Riley worthwhile? I wouldn't, because, <laughs> I mean, there were so many problems with that whole plot line and the, the initiative and the military aspect of the show, yeah. and I, I just feel like it was all a big misstep. And Riley kind of was all of that. Yes, personified. Right, plus a big mansplainy jerk. Yes. I did like uh, Buffy's uh, sort of journey of sexual maturity that they got through that storyline. Sure. But, I mean, I think that that could have happened elsewhere. Yeah, with a non-douchebag, sure. Right. Uh, But I like the power dynamic that it never felt that, you know, with Angel there was always that sort of fear of in that allegory of the dangerous older man. Right. And with Riley, it always felt like, well, Buffy could kill him at any moment if she wanted to. Yeah, but he still was, ugh. I mean, I could go on all night <laughs> about Riley. He was still ugh. <laughs> he was still ugh. That's my... No, I mean, I think he was... I think that was such a threat to him, though. And he was so obvious about that that yeah. he didn't like that she was stronger than he was. Yeah. And I think that's so gross and not okay. So you, uh, like me, think that the that season four was a really weird step i think a lot of it worked for me but the initiative did not work for me yeah so the going to college stuff i would imagine the the growth of life kind of i think some of it totally works i mean i think that i sort of like buffy feeling out of place um love willow becoming a lesbian obviously (laughs) thumbs up there um and the whole magic exploration of it all yeah um yeah, but a lot of it was kind of clunky. Yes. There were some great episodes in there. Yeah. And then there was a lot of, you know, garbage. How do you feel about the uh, one where Buffy goes kind of cave woman and just wants beer? Beer bad? Beer bad, That's a yes. terrible episode. <laughs> I, re- I believe that I ranked it as the worst episode of all time on my uh, Buffy episode ranking list. So you, you ranked them all for BuzzFeed, right? I ranked all of them, yeah. And beer bad was definitely the worst. So that was your bottom That's my bottom worst. episode, yeah. Wow. I, know, I think it's totally fair. Uh, yeah, I guess I, it just has a sort of, I don't want to say ironic, because I, it's, I'm not that much of a hipster about Buffy, but to me, while being objectively terrible, it also captured something about that really out-of-place awkwardness of college. If it were that intentional, I would say <laughs> sure. I feel like it's just a really bad, like, anti-drinking PSA. Yeah. So what did you rank as the best? Um, I had, I think, and I went back and forth... I think I ended up putting um, Becoming Part 1 and 2 okay, as my number one. And for people who might not know exactly. That is the season two finale. Okay. Which ends... Guys, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the show, (laughs) just turn it off. Watch the show. It'll only take like a week of your life. Come back and then listen. Um, Ends with Buffy killing Angel and a Sarah McLachlan song playing. (laughs) As it does. Yes. Whenever a vampire dies. Whenever a vampire dies, we uh, listen to Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin's song just automatically plays. That's great. So when you were ranking them all, I would imagine, like, you do a lot of rankings as you work at BuzzFeed, right? I mean, less so now, but I definitely something that I have done a lot of. Um, 
when you're ranking stuff, it seems like the the best and the worst might come a little bit quickly. Was it hard to do all of the middle? You know, usually it is. Um, nowadays, I tend to kind of give letter grades to things and see how it shakes out that way. Okay. With Buffy, it was largely because I'd watched the show so many times, I could do it based on just instinct. Okay. And kind of shuffling things around and seeing what, what fit and what didn't fit for me. And then you kind of look at it and say, does my top 10 make sense? Does my top 20 make sense? Does my top 30 make sense? And, you know, you end up seeing, okay, the episodes in the middle are middle range episodes to me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Yeah. So um, that one was not hard to do. I mean, putting it all together was hard to do, but um, the ranking itself was not hard. Did you rewatch it all for No, that? no. I'd seen, because that's the only show that I've seen that enough that I actually know every episode. Okay. How many or, times have you watched it? All the way through, um, probably like six or seven. Okay. Do you cherry pick ever? Do you ever just feel like, I'm in the mood to see Beer Bad tonight? Oh, all the time. Well, Beer Bad, sure. Um, no, not really. It's not, you know, it's a show that I think definitely has rewatch value, but for me, it's so much about the journey that I would never want to kind of just watch it an episode at a, at a time. Like, right. I would want to have to sit down and watch it again, and... I've also always watched it again with people. Oh, cool. Who haven't seen it before. I feel like there's something great about that. I don't know if I could actually sit down and watch it all front to back by myself. Unless I were going to write about it or some, there was a reason to do that. Yeah. Just because it's not, you know, it's so much about the, the, the arcs and the journey. Yeah. Do you get new insights out of watching it with new people? Um... It's, you know, it's fun. I, I like hearing different perspectives. Um, I, I find that I'm very attached to certain things and characters and ideas. So if someone I'm watching it with is like, I just love Riley, then I I don't feel differently. I just kind of feel like they're wrong. Um, <laughs> and usually I'm more open-minded. But I, I think it's more just like I like to kind of see people take it in the way that I took it in. Yeah. Or like I didn't know it was coming a lot of the time, even though I spoiled myself for much of it. <laughs> um. There's so many great shocking moments in that show, and, and you know, character death especially is something that kind of we take for granted now, because everyone does it all the time on yeah. TV, but Joss Whedon definitely, like, made that a thing, and the stakes of that show are so high, because people are dying all the time, yeah. and in really surprising ways, and I think that kind of, like, it really catches you off guard, and there's something very, um, there's something very like familiar and cozy about Buffy, but it's also completely unsafe. This world, like, and it's 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 scary, and I like that too. Yeah, I really like that element. That this is what we do. We handle horrible things, but then every once in a while, there's a reminder of like, oh yeah, so somebody might die, or it might be right. extra horrible, or yeah, it's beautiful. Um, is there a life lesson that you have taken away from a specific episode? Whew. Now we're getting deep. Now we're getting super deep. <laughs> um. Gosh, I mean, don't drink beer. <laughs> I don't like I don't like beer, so maybe that's a conscious thing that's happening. Because um, of beer bad. Yeah. But have uh, you ever, like, actually, like, in the throes of a relationship or a friendship, sort of, like, had that voice in your back of mind, like, this is a moment, like, when Buffy was dating Riley or Angel or... There are things that I think I've taken away from the show. I think that, like... Maybe not always on a conscious level, but, like, getting to college and sort of having that weird one-night stand experience. I was like, you know, Buffy did this with Parker. And, like, that was a weird little arc. But it happens. You know, there's something, like, that's very yeah. human. Um, and I think a lot of it was a matter of just seeing sort of, like, the characters that I related related to were often kind of pushed to the side, especially Xander. And you realize they serve a purpose. And I think that 
on some level, it's nice to know that even if you feel like that outcast or that sort of fourth wheel, yeah, you still serve your own purpose. You're the heart in the weird, yeah, combined spell that kills Adam. <laughs> um, you know the kind of thing that the kind of probably would counter on a daily basis when you're fighting some sort of weird military Frankenstein monster <laughs> thing. Uh, where do you fit in? Yeah. But you're the heart, so that's nice. Yeah, I love that about, I've always been a big geek, and I love that about these kind of shows that really capture that sort of allegory, where you feed, there's a little bit of safe distance, so you don't just feel like, I'm comparing it to my cousin or whoever else had this relationship, right? but it makes sense to you because of and some the, dumb and, spell. Right, and when the show was too unsubtle, it definitely did not work. I mean, there are episodes that are just like, so, we used to say Anvil much, because, which is a Buffy <laughs> reference, because at one point, do you know that reference? Uh, I don't remember which one. I don't even know if they ever used the phrase. I think it's just something that we we, we kind of like picked up from the internet. It's a combination of Willow the... saying, Buffy asks Willow if you've been, have you been dropping hints, and Willow says, I've been dropping anvils. Yeah. And then Cordelia's kind of has the like morbid much thing she says. Yeah. Or, and so anvil much is a thing meaning like this is way too obvious. <laughs> um, that's the nice takeaway from the show is like weird Buffy speak things that like I would say all the time that weren't normal that I thought were totally standard <laughs> speech patterns. Um, coming back to it a few years after it had been on the air, I, I kind of felt like they had entered the parlance of my friends in the general geek culture. Right. The adding the Y to the ends of things. Oh, yeah. To make it clear what you're meaning and, and the whatever much. Like, that just seemed like, oh, oh, yeah, that's where this came from. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of it does. I mean, I think that it was definitely one of those formative like formative geek shows in the way the X-Files was, but I don't think the X-Files had that lingo down yet. It wasn't so much about like the back and forth between Mulder and Scully. Yeah. Not, not not in that like sort of hip high school way. And so I think that Buffy was the first show that was like, you know, foundational for geeks, but also like had that cool Dawson's Creek type <laughs> language to it. Yes. I can't think of much that's relatable or applicable to real life from the X-Files at all. I guess to adults who love each other but don't believe the same things <laughs> we'll eventually have a baby <laughs> years after anybody gives a shit uh yeah so i guess that is it's a little parable about growing up x-files it's always aliens or super soldiers or a virus <laughs> or some combination of the three yeah one of those buffy's a little bit more surprising um do you ever wish that you had a watcher like giles no <laughs> no i'm fine on my own I mean, I've had therapists. Is that good enough? I don't need someone to like. I think. This wow. Is... Yeah. If Giles is a therapist, that he's an overactive therapist. I mean, he's also not a good watcher, which like was established many times in the show. Is like he. I mean, I think he either felt too familial to Buffy, which yeah. wasn't, and he held her back, or he was like too watchery, yeah. and made her do things she wasn't comfortable with, or like drugged her to fight crazy vampires. It's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's great, but it's like totally fucked. It's I mean, awful. And I, I, I don't know, there's something about that relationship that I like, and I feel like the Watcher's Council was sort of established to be not, they were not nice people. Yeah. And they, they were definitely exploiting young girls to, like, fight their battles. Yes, Which absolutely. is weird. The whole backstory they created was, like, bizarre. At what point were they like, we need to find, like, a teenage girl to do this for us? <laughs> they wanted to subvert the paradigm, you know, back in sure, ancient times they were like, when they... But then it was this weird, like, rape allegory, and the whole... Do you remember that? They, like, yes. chain her up, and they, like, in they like you know, force demon into her, and it's... it's... a part of just all of the very, very disturbing parts of... That's season six, season isn't it? Season seven. Uh, it gets hinted at it season, in season six, doesn't it? Or season is seven's it... when you have the flashback to... To the actual creation of the right. first... Like, okay. Right. Yeah. 
But the the uh, the the first layer shows up in season four, but that's okay. Season four, but I mean, you don't really know what the deal is there, except that she's a slayer. Do you ever get frustrated with watching that Watcher relationship? Because that kind of frustrated me. I understood that the the Watcher Council was like the stand-in bad guys. They're like TV execs. <laughs> They're like right. a council of evil assholes. Um, and. I definitely got and liked the familial relationship, but then I, I always wanted it to settle one way or another for them to really decide, I'm not your watcher, I'm your stand-in dad. Right. Or we need to get back to this relationship. And it seemed to really waver a lot in the final seasons. I think it did. I think also that just happened with Giles leaving the show. I mean, like, season six, musical episode, when he kind of realizes he's too attached to her and leaves. I mean, yeah. it might make sense story-wise, but it sort of gets... It sort of... Um, Ruins the arc that might have been, you know, if they of, of them falling into more of a familial dynamic and really kind of establishing that they're not just Watcher Slayer. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I sort of i I also like that Giles could never figure out what he was, what his role was. Yeah, I, I suppose it fits his character. Yeah, that he's a little indecisive, even though he's supposed to be in charge of indecisive team. Right. Awesome. Who is your least favorite character? Um. I mean, other than Riley, other than Riley, we're gonna like leave Riley alone for a minute. <laughs> um, God, least favorite character. Is there a character that annoys you? Kennedy. I, I'm, uh, was she one of the other Kennedy's potential slayers? Willow's girlfriend, potential slayer girlfriend. Right, right, yeah. Uh, and she's just the worst. She is. She seems like it's sad coming off of Tara. But it was never presented as, like, she was a rebound. Right. But it I was, just think it was the, a viewer. Oh, totally. It was the show's way of... It was the show's rebound. It was, a, it was a response to people being like, it was homophobic to kill Tara off. And so they kind of forced this new girlfriend on Willow in a way that was so, like, phony and just kind of... And she was just the worst person. <laughs> she was so obnoxious and presumptuous and, like... I mean, all those potential slayers were, were bad, pretty much. Yeah. But she was the worst. Yeah, I By remember. I, I really liked some of the themes and ideas of season seven, and then it got to that point of just like, please, please fight some vampires right. and get out of that. If house. you watch it all together, it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. But waiting week to week and like being like, what's going to happen next? And we're approaching the finale, and then <laughs> it was just bad choice after bad choice. You're just kind of like, and then there's a Nathan Fillion's there as a as an evil preacher, <laughs> and then there's like. These uber vamps, and you're just kind of like, where is this going? Yeah. Where is this going? And backstory. So much cool backstory. Cool acts. Um, it's it, a scythe, actually. It's a, it's a scythe. Could you say that again and it's actually literally scythe. push your glasses up? Um, I'm doing that. It's a scythe. <laughs> Thank you. They call it a scythe. A scythe, yeah. And it's got a pointy thing on it's the other It's a pointy end. thing and an axy thing. And yeah. I don't know. It, it's in the comic books. Yeah. It sure is. Um, if you were trapped on a desert island with only one season of Buffy, which season would you bring? Uh, God, you see, this is the kind of thing that I think about all the time. <laughs> so I should have a better answer for you. Because I always go back and forth between three and five. Okay. Wow. That's really, that's surprising to me. Is it? The three part isn't. The five part is. I think five, like... The arc of five and the emotional resonance of five, like, really work. Like, five has some great episodes, and it it's such a gut punch at the end that I just feel like it really works for me as a whole. Uh-huh. Like, the Dawn stuff is weak and annoying, but if you know where it's going, it's a lot, it's a lot less annoying. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I, I very, I'm very attached to five. 
you, what what is it Buffy's arc that you relate to or is it the... it's just a really dark season I mean there it like and there is the arc of adulthood and like her taking care of Dawn and her mom dying and um also it's the sort of Spike's fixation on her I right. just feel like all of that like there's something about it that really works for me and it is definitely like before season six and seven which were even darker it was like such a dark season compared yeah. to those to the, the previous season so I liked um I like that, that it kind of like took this major step into darkness. What do you um, think of Gloria? Or it's, it's Glory or is it... It's Glory, right? Glory, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of Glory? <laughs> Glorificus is a villain. Um, I like Glory. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I think that it's that kind of good Buffy mix of like comic relief and also she's terrifying when she sucks people's brains out with her fingers. Yeah. It's sad and gross. She always just felt a little stiff. Um, you know, I don't know if, like, if she's the best actor of the bunch, <laughs> but I, I, I like Glory, and I like that she was bringing on. All right. <laughs> okay. I mean, certainly better than Adam as a villain. Uh, yes, but I felt like Adam was almost literally a prop, uh, whereas Glory was kind of throughout, and we were supposed to sort of... I think I just sort of felt betrayed by the time I got there, because... All of the big bads had been so charming. Right. And such amazing actors. And then Adam kind of seemed kind of tacked on. And right. And it was more the initiative and Riley and that that was the right the threat. Um, and then Glory seemed like really present from the beginning of like, we're going to spend the whole season right. with this sort of... But so much else happens in that season that it's like, I don't know if like... Season five, my takeaway is not Glory. Okay. It's... It's Buffy's death and her mom's death and Spike's obsession and yeah. all of that. Yeah, Glory just ruined it for me. So I'll have to I'll have to rewatch it. I mean, you don't have to. Well, I'm but gonna. You may I'm, want to. I'm going to be rewatching it anyway. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, would you want to be friends with Buffy? No. <laughs> I, why would I want to be friends with Buffy? I don't. I have no idea why I'd want to be friends with Buffy. Even if Buffy were not the Slayer, she was just. She just plopped into the real world with all of the attitudes and experiences of the character of Buffy. I just don't feel like I'd want to be friends with her. <laughs> she's, like, not a great friend, really. I mean, like, she's never the one that I wanted to hang out with. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, not not especially. Is that a weird answer? No, no, no. It's kind of the answer I was expecting, but I was charmed by how um, quickly and definitively you answered. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> like, what are friends, I'd friends with Oz, sure. Yeah. But... So, Buffy? I mean, pretty much everybody but Buffy you'd be friends with, right? Not Riley. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, like, I don't think that we'd all get along super well. I just feel like I I, I admire Buffy, but from a distance. Yeah. I don't want to, like, be her best friend. So, do you feel, when you rewatch it, knowing that Buffy herself can be difficult? Yeah. Is it that sort of distance where you, like, where you feel like she's an antihero and you enjoy watching her from a distance? Or do you get actively annoyed by Buffy? I don't think she's an anti-hero, um, and I do get actively annoyed by her at times, <laughs> but I like that she's flawed. I mean, I don't, I don't think that, like, you can create a, like, convincing hero for seven seasons who's not flawed. Yeah. Um, I just feel like she's much more well-intentioned than any anti-hero, and the point isn't that she's bad at what she does, it's just that she's young, and she's dumb sometimes, and she doesn't yeah. know what she's doing, and I think that's just sort of a normal, that makes her more human, not yeah. more... You know, not not an antihero in any way. Yeah, I like that she's strident and confident 
and wants to do things her own way. And sometimes it really works out. Right. And sometimes it really doesn't. Um, but I feel like the show almost became aware of that, that they had built this whole thing that was incredibly charming around this person who had was becoming increasingly, right, as a character, stressed and bossy and not charming as a right, character. Right, and they called her out. I mean, yeah. they call out most of the characters on the show and they become that person. Yeah. But that's sort of a normal part of the of the trajectory, I feel like, of those characters. You can't be a leader for that long without people turning on you, whether they're the audience or the people around you. Especially if you put them all in your house. Yeah. <laughs> Bad idea. The bravest thing Buffy ever did. Um, do you think all shows would be improved if there were vampire fighting in it? Um, you probably want me to say yes, because... That's more of a fun answer. You can say whatever you want. But honestly, I do not think that. <laughs> I really enjoy... On, I, 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 You know, in high school, I was much more of an escapist fantasy type person. Mm. And nowadays, I want something like warm, like parenthood to like sink into. Okay. Um, I still like fantasy and horror. And horror films especially. But I, I also like... I find that a lot of um, fantasy series can't sustain a level of quality long enough for me to, like, care. Yeah. So I, I tend to go more for, like, the dramedies okay. than the vampire fighting. But I still watch Vampire Diaries, and I watch the originals, and I watch... I don't know what else I watch, but surely, surely something else with vampires in it. <laughs> um, I watch True Blood till the goddamn end, <laughs> um, despite its awfulness. But... Yeah, no, I, I I like that there's kind of, I like that there are still genre shows happening, but I also like that I can kind of find more grounded shows that I enjoy. Yeah. Do you still enjoy the sort of supernatural part and the, like, actual amount of screen time spent fighting when you rewatch Buffy, or does it feel sort of tiresome? Um, I definitely notice the stunt doubles more <laughs> when I rewatch it. Um, it's not tiresome, though. I mean, I feel like they did a really good job of, it was always a good blend. Yeah. I mean, it was always, like, part of the story, and despite the stunt doubles being obviously stunt doubles, like, there was some great fight choreography on that show. Yeah. And I feel like it always paid off in a way, so I, I, I never minded that it was, like, whereas nowadays you can watch a show where it feels largely, like, filler, and I think when I was watching Buffy, it was always part of the story they were telling. Yeah. So when Buffy and Angel fight for a long-ass time, it serves the story. Right. Um, and it's not just because they don't have more script... Yeah, I think write. yeah, I think it's also just it always struck me as, you know, from Whedon and then all the other creators an actual love of that part of it of the supernatural and the horror. Sure. Um yeah, somebody uh when I was writing more plays uh, back in Minneapolis, somebody very pompously came to me once and said, "It seems like there's some ideas in your plays. You know, do you ever think of just like taking the jokes out so people aren't distracted and they can just pay attention to the ideas?" And my knee-jerk reaction was like, "Well, would you want to watch Buffy, if there is no fighting, like, that's part of the way the story is right. told. I do think that because of the way the show, because the show earned, because the show had this great storytelling with the fighting, you could you could, you could could work up to episodes like The Body in season five where there's no fighting until the very, very end. It's an emotional episode about, like, characters and loss, and there's no music, and it's very much like a, a very special episode without being called a very special episode, <laughs> but it works because like you've got to know those characters, like they've yeah. been built up over the course of five seasons, so it doesn't feel like I miss the fighting. Um, and by the same token, an episode that's very fight heavy, you care about the characters so much that you're like, I'll watch them battle it out. Yeah, because we've worked up to this point. Cool. Um, have you read the Buffy comic books? 
Um, I did read season eight. I don't know if I ever finished it. Season nine, I have not read. I got really like antsy because I comic books stress me out. Continuity <laughs> stresses me out, and like I want there to be like a canon I can follow. And there kept being spinoff comic series, and I was like, I can't afford to buy all these, but like, what am I missing? And I hate this. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed reading them, but I was also just like, I need to know exactly what is canon and what's not. Right. I need to know why Angel's going by Twilight now. Spoiler alert for the comics. <laughs> um, there's a lot that, like, confused me. Yeah. But I also kind of loved that they could just do everything they wanted because it was a comic book. So, like, they could make Donna Centaur, and that was the thing they could do. And it would, like, look so, so dumb on TV. But in the comics, you're like, sure, why not? Yeah, it looked awesome. Um... And I like that some of the character development, like, I was like, okay, like, let's have Xander and Dawn hook up, and let's have Buffy, like, dab on ladies. Like, this is all stuff that I feel like I would have wanted to see on the show in some weird way. But I had to give it up. Yeah. It was too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> if you could get it for free, would you would you continue to follow it, or would the probably, stress of the probably, continuity... Probably, but it does, it does stress me out. This is always my problem with comics. Like, I have such a hard time with comics because... There's constant, they're constantly being rebooted and there's retconning and all this stuff where, like, you kind of accept that, like, there's no one right answer. Yeah. But for me, I get really, like, anal about that. And I'm like, okay, but what is a true origin story? <laughs> and, like, what are this person's powers? Like, what is their relationship? And, like, I need to know everything about this, this character. And with Buffy, especially because I know the character so well, I was like, what does this mean? And if a character dies in the comics, I'm also like, is that character dead forever? Like, I need I need more. Yeah, it's canon. Yeah, it is canon, but is it? <laughs> it is, but <laughs> yeah, I think we're I living in, going back and forth. We're living in a fascinating time for that for that sort of stress of wanting to feel like you can know everything about a property. Right. Uh, I mean, comics and superheroes have always been a mess, but Star Wars is entering that right. arena of. You can't, it's unknowable now. Right. Well, they're also like, we're going to wipe out all this continuity you thought you knew. Yeah. And which it's, is it's yeah. little subcontinuity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think there must be something to that sort of uh, desire to ha- make sense of things that you don't need them to make sense for this story to be enjoyable. Right. But things like Star Trek and the new Terminator are all about that. But especially with, with, with Buffy, with it very much being like, here's where we left off and like, here are the era now and like, here's, and like, they even retcon stuff from like that happened on Angel, and like it was kind of like okay, so I, if I'm reading this, like it's it's supposed to be the next season, it's what I would be watching. So like I'm taking this more seriously than I would like a random spinoff series. Right, right. Did you watch and enjoy Angel? I did. Yeah, I loved Angel. It's great. Yeah, it has a lot of problems, but it's great. Yeah. Um. So the show is obviously a very, very allegory-heavy, as we talked about. Um, if your actual life problems took the form of monsters like they do on Buffy, what kind of monsters would you have to face in your life? Oh, God. <laughs> um, probably a troll that represents the fear of being left out. <laughs> that fear of missing out, the FOMO thing. Like a troll that's that. So the just, FOMO troll? The FOMO troll that just shows up and is like, your friends are having fun without you and you weren't invited. <laughs> Or yeah. you were invited and you chose to stay home, and now I'm going to sit here and be a troll. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, God, there's so many little trolls, though, I can imagine in my life. <laughs> so, yeah. Actual <laughs> internet trolls personified as, like, troll trolls. Oh, that would be terrible of, like, you say something and then just the little chorus of dissenting voices. Uh-huh. Yeah. And calling you names. Horrible. Horrible. Um, yeah. Uh, 
that very much. Um, trolls. Trolls of all forms. Don't even <laughs> like trolls. I feel like vampires are too sexy for what I go through. Like, I'm not... <laughs> I don't have vampire problems. I have troll problems. You don't... There wouldn't be, like, an anxiety vampire that visited you Maybe. in the night? Maybe. Mm. There was Dalton, like, the nepishy, like, vampire loved to read. Yeah. Uh, I can see Dalton, a Dalton that vampire <laughs> in my life, but no one remembers Dalton, which is so tragic. So, um, fine, stick to trolls. But you would be Twitter friends with Dalton, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I talk about him all the time. People are like, who's Dalton? Um, the most important vampire. The judge killed him, which means he had some soul in him, which means he was like some sort of weird vampire with like part of a soul. And then we just never talked about him again. <laughs> Maybe he'll get a comic book. Sure. That'd be great. I'm ready for the spinoff. Uh, what do you think a Buffy reboot would look like? Garbage. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I'm not always anti-reboots, but like for Buffy, I just don't, I, I, I really don't see the point. Like, yeah. Um. The reason Buffy worked was because of the writing and the character development and the cast and all of that. Like, it all came together in a great way. The story itself is not the reason why it worked, especially, like, the foundational story of, like, the movie. Yeah. The movie's fun, but, like, I don't think that taking that movie and making a new series would you come up with anything great. Mm-mm. And who would watch it? I think a lot of people would watch it. I don't... I just don't know. Like, I mean, what do you... What would you even do? A darker, grittier Buffy? Like... Yeah. Or, like, a, a sexier Buffy? Or I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not... Again, like, I can deal with reboots of some things. Mm-hmm. I could do a Golden Girls reboot. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. But there's I'm sure there's some things that I'm not that I'm like less attached to that I could see doing a reboot. Or even things that I am attached to but that I understand deserve like a new audience. Yeah, or that it's been, you know, um, decades and decades and now it's a story that we retell. Right. Um I'm much more into like continue continuing stories though than I am into like reboots. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm excited about Star Wars, and even if I don't, if I, even if I don't like the new movies, which um, yeah. I'm assuming that I will, even though that's a bad assumption. Like, <laughs> the old ones still exist, assumption. it's just a continuation of the story, and take it or leave it, you know? And if someone wanted to, like, do a weird Buffy, like, 20 years later story, yeah. I would watch that, sure. But, like, a reboot of the same story feels very strange. I think the only thing that would be interesting to me about it is with mainly social media changing the landscape of our lives and phones changing our lives, which on one hand sounds vapid, but on the other hand, since it, the primary concept that you'd have to start with is what are, what is high school like now? What are the fears? What are the anxieties? And some of them are going to be evergreen because we're humans. Right. But the way they get expressed might be different. I guess. I don't know if I'm that interested. I'm also out of high school. So it's like, (laughs) There's a vague interest in what that would look like, but I feel like I got a touch of it in season seven of Buffy, and that was enough. Yeah. Like, this is high school now. That's fine. Yeah. I don't need to see more of that. So if somebody threw a, just a bucket of money at you and said, you can create a new Buffy show, would you do it yourself? No. Can I keep the money, though? Like, I <laughs> yeah. want the money. I just don't, like, I have no desire to reboot that show. Yeah. Um, and even people talk about, like, doing sequels or down the line it's like you have to cast all new vampires because those guys have aged out of playing vampires so what does it even look like that's the number one reason to me that i'm happy to not see any more buffy is like i i don't want to deal with the fact that angel and spike age in reality so much so much (laughs) i mean spike's in his 50s you know at some point we gotta just say enough it's okay it's okay to let it go um he looks great but still 
David like, Boyana is like, look at him at the start of the show and by the end of Angel. I mean, he was a different person. Uh, yeah, I watched the show and then I immediately rewatched it with my wife. And I think I actually dropped my sandwich when Angel came on the screen the first time right. because he had changed right. that much. And when, you, when you're like, oh, they're supposed to be like in their 20s. They're supposed to be vampires who are like, Angel's supposed to be like, what, 27 yeah. or younger? Spike's supposed to be in his 20s? It's like, okay, but they're not. No. Disbelief can only be suspended so far. <laughs> All told, has the show made you laugh or cry more? Um, I feel like laugh, maybe beyond just the show, just like the community, it yeah. kind of had sort of, in those dark high school times, like finding a pe- people I could relate to. Like, I, I never, I certainly cried on Live Journal, but like talking about <laughs> Buffy was, was like a. A lot of joy and laughter and, yeah. like, reading fanfic, especially bad fanfic, was, like, such a great, wonderful thing. Um, it definitely made me cry, but I also feel like when I was younger, which is when I was, like, really, you know, watching the show, like, I had plenty to cry about on my own. I didn't. <laughs> as an adult, I find myself crying more at TV and film. Than real life. Than real life, and I, I kind of need that. But when I was 16, while my hormones were going crazy, I was crying all the time. So I feel like I needed the show more as, like, an escape from that and more of a... Yeah. Much more laughter than tears. So when the dark stuff came up in the show, was it... Did it feel like a relief from your real-life baggage, or did it feel like... Did it add stress to your real-life baggage where you are worried about Buffy and yourself? No, you know, I wasn't real. I mean, there were there were a few moments when I felt actually bad or concerned, but I'm pretty good at like, letting the story take me where it will, and I'm always like surprised by fans freaking out about not liking where something is going. Like, yeah. I gener I, I generally can just kind of enjoy it and have some trust in the writers. Yeah, um, and also because I came to the show so late, it was already kind of like cracked out by the time I got there. So it's like. It was going in weird directions, and shit was happening, and I was yeah. like, I wouldn't have written it like this. But I also was so excited <laughs> to be, I was so excited to be watching new episodes like with people every week. Yeah. That I didn't really care very much. Yeah. Whereas if I had been there from the beginning, I probably by the time season six rolled around would have been like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I remember just watching season six in particular and the musical episode, which I think is great. Yeah. But has so much sadness to it, and yeah. I think especially like adult sadness oh yeah of like these are not simple issues these are not little you'll get past these when you're out of high school right your hormones calm down right that it's it is a lot to take in as an adult i think but also when you're 17 16 or 17 like you don't quite get it like you understand on some level why buffy's sad but you don't sort of you don't quite get like how dark and like upsetting that is yeah and like the futility of life is a concept that you haven't quite grasped yeah like you've read Camus, but you're not like you're not like all in (laughs) Yeah, no, I read Camus, and I was like, I got an A on my paper. Of course it's you did. M- mostly a happy memory. Right. And not the, oh, oh. Same until college or grad oh, school. yeah. Uh, what current show that you're watching would you like to see a musical episode pop up on? Oh, God. Um, I always think of this in terms of, like, the people on the show and not the show itself. <laughs> so, like, there are shows that would make more sense to do a musical episode of, but yeah. I'm like, I watch Madam Secretary, which I don't like very much at all. However, it has B.B. Newworth and Sebastian Arcellus, who I saw in Rent, and uh, Bettina Miller, who was in Pippin, and I'm like, they could sing. Yeah, so they would knock it out of the park. And also, Madam Secretary is so boring right now. <laughs> Give me some song and dance. What about Scandal? Do you think Scandal could do a musical episode? Um, 
yeah, sure. I mean, they did a Grey's Anatomy musical episode, and it was awful. But Shonda does tend to hire people who can also sing. And, and the scandal people can all sing as well. Um, not all of them, but they certainly like, yeah. have a lot of musical theater training. Um, I'm all for more musical episodes. I feel like they're they're fun. But Buffy was like, Buffy nailed it in terms of like making it somehow. It made sense to the plot, which is bizarre. Yeah. And I feel like unless you're doing that or like a weird fantasy sequence, it just doesn't really work. And so you have to kind of, it has to be the right show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pushing Daisy's have the right tone for musical sequences, but like, I don't know that Hannibal does. <laughs> We're talking about Brian Fuller shows, for example. So, uh, I, I have to ask, is a side note: your immediate knowledge of which casts have Broadway level singers is that from just being a fan of theater, or is that from uh, your professional knowledge as a BuzzFeed editor? Why do you immediately know which casts have Broadway level singers? Um, it's a mix. I mean, like. There, are, I, I think a lot of it's just being caring about theater forever, and yeah. like if you see BB Newirth on TV, you know that she's like a Broadway performer. Yeah. Um, and then also just people on Twitter being like, "This person can sing." This person, I mean, like Scandal Cast, for example, I was not as familiar with, but okay. I know that a lot of them have musical theater backgrounds. Um, something I picked up from the internet <laughs> and from working at BuzzFeed and from, you know, useless knowledge that will never help me. Okay. Uh, I think it's very helpful. Uh, if someone watched nothing but Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a week, how would it affect their outlook on life? Um, well, I, God, I don't, it really depends on what season, doesn't it? Because I feel like you could kind of have, I think watching the first two seasons would kind of give you a little bit of like a, a boost somehow. Uh-huh. And I think watching the latter half of the series would maybe drag you down somewhat. <laughs> but I don't know. I used to watch pretty much Buffy, not much else. And I don't know that it like, I don't know if that had much of an effect on me in that way. Yeah. I think that, um, I do think it made me like, um, sharper in a lot of ways. I think it made me want to kind of, um, sound better when I was conversing and be funnier and be more with it. And I think that, Watching and watching a show with that good of writing actually helps you in that way. Yeah. Like, as a direct result, you will sort of become more likely to, like, have the right comeback to what awesome. people are saying and just be wittier in general. So there's, yeah, I feel like more so than, like, your mood, uh-huh. I think you'll start saying things like um, Bitka, which is a, a Buffy word that doesn't make sense outside of Buffy. But um, <laughs> do you know what Bitka is? No, I don't remember that one. It's when you, when you they spell bitch. But then Xander says a bitka. <laughs> hilarious out of context, but the point is, no, like, no, you pick no. Up, it's you great. pick up these weird Buffyisms, but also I think you just really like are like I want to talk to these people. I want to yeah. like be in these conversations. So you think it advances your repartee? I do. That's I awesome. Do. Maybe I wouldn't be on Twitter without Buffy. Let's just say that. Yeah, I really like the overall theme. I think throughout of of uh, being willing to sort of stand up and fight. Because I think it is not at all saccharine, really, in the show. Maybe once or twice, it's kind of saccharine. But that, to me, is like one of the clear through lines of, I don't really want to get up today, but I'm going to fucking fight. Yeah, but see, I'm still, like, season three Xander, and I will, like, not fight, but I will have something funny to say in response. <laughs> nice. That's, that's probably a good way to go so you don't lose an eye. Um, okay, so I like to ask people these questions about how obsessed they are. There's okay. not a wrong answer. There's not a, a attempt, not gotcha attempts or anything like that. Okay. So feel free to answer however you'd like. Do you think about Buffy every day? Um, 
No, not at this point. Okay. Was there a time when you did? Sure. When it was on and, like, even probably just reading the comics, I just think now I write such a broad, about so many different shows and I have broad pop culture knowledge, hopefully, that I don't think about it as often as I used to. Okay. But certainly once a week, if not more. <laughs> awesome. Can you hold an entire conversation using nothing but quotes from Buffy? Um, oh, God, I wish I could. Close to. Close, Close. to. I would have to, like, brush up on it a little bit. You know, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. But there was definitely a time, and I feel like I could kind of get back into that mindset. Do you have specific friends where, like, where it would be easier if they were also Buffy fans? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had friends in high school, especially, who, like, got me into Buffy, who were, like, my Buffy friends. Like, <laughs> they get it. Awesome. Awesome. Would you personally write Buffy slash fiction? I I feel like I should plead the fifth on that one. Have you written Buffy slash fiction? You know fiction? what? I never wrote. I did write fanfic. I never wrote slash fic. I read slash fic. I have two. I have friends now. I have friends who are on Buffy and like I cannot talk about this without even like and like maintain our friendships. But I will say that what I wrote was totally chased. Yeah. It was a story about Anya and it was totally chased. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, would you get a Buffy tattoo? Um, if I haven't at this point, probably not. I don't have any tattoos, so I think I'm just really picky. But I definitely fantasized about getting a Buffy tattoo at one point. I don't know what it would look like. I just knew that I wanted like a Buffy something. Uh, maybe the scythe. I, you and that scythe. I, <laughs> not the scythe. Probably a quote. Okay. Any, any particular quote jump to mind? Um. I don't know. Ask me again when I've, like, gotten a blackout drunk and gotten a tattoo. <laughs> Sounds good. I don't drink and I don't get tattoos, but you never know. One day. Excellent. I think that would be a great tattoo. Uh, would you run for political office to save the show? Oh, um, I feel like it doesn't need my saving. And I feel like I would do more harm than good in political <laughs> office, so I'll, I will pass on that. Uh, would you watch a new Buffy movie directed by Michael Bay? No. No, I mean, oh yes, I will out of curiosity. <laughs> but I would, I would get a screener. Or I would illegally download that shit because I'm not paying money for a Michael Bay Buffy movie. But you would watch it. I would watch it, and I would complain the whole time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, would you swear to none in defense of Buffy? I mean, I don't. I mean, probably. No, I wouldn't swear to none. Would she wear her habit? Yeah. Okay, then no. I would feel bad. <laughs> I would curse her under my breath, though. Does that help? Oh, yeah. I might push her down some stairs, but I wouldn't swear at her. You would push her down some stairs? Yeah, I, just don't, wanna, I don't want her to think that I'm rude. No. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, if you couldn't watch Buffy without someone you love first being kicked in the crotch, would you still watch Buffy? <sighs> like, how much do I love them? A lot. Are they going to be okay? Yeah, it's just... Okay, they'll... It's just them, once. That's fine. They'll be okay. <laughs> Listen, they'll be fine. I'm not going to not watch Buffy again just because I, I worry about someone else's genitals. You know, it's like, take the hit. Yeah, that's really what's, it's what Buffy's about, is take, worry about take, your own take, genitals. Taking the hit. Yeah. Great. Um, so, is there anything else that you want the world to know about your obsession with or love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Um, I've always been very fixated on the character of Amy. For no good reason. For no good reason at all. 
That's uh, you've been fixed on her? You said? Like fixated on her. Fixated? In a sort of curious way, like you want to know more about her? I just love her. Even when she's like the worst, I just love Amy. When she showed up in the comics, I was like, this is perfect. This is all I've ever wanted. Do you feel that way? Do you think you would have continued to feel that way if she suddenly became a main character? I don't know. I, I like, they're just random characters, like, on shows, like, side characters that you randomly, like, are, like I love this character. And yeah. I, like, for some reason with me, I was always, like, I love Amy. And I love, like, her spell shit. I also think that Witch is, like, one of the best season one episodes, the one with her and her mom. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have no good explanation. I just wanted to throw that out there. In case there's any, like, diehard Amy fans out there who are looking to connect with someone, <laughs> I'm your guy. I'm sure that you will be contacted. I can't wait. By the diehard Amy fans. Um, I ask people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. Sometimes it's really easy, like, you know, when you talk about a band or whatever. But is there a noise that you could make to sum up your love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Um, is it a cop-out to just be like, grr, arg? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, I just grr, arg you then. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, so then I ask people final questions. Uh, they're not necessarily about your obsession, but you can make them about your obsession if you want. If you could ride any animal as a form of transportation, what animal would you want to ride? Um, hmm... Does the size of the animal matter? Are we? This is a fantasy world where. This is a fantasy world where you could make a small thing big or a big uh, thing small. I mean, I really want a Billy Bumbler, <laughs> and so if I could, like, I know that you can't really ride Billy Bumblers, also they're fictional creatures, but I think about Billy Bumpers a lot, and so <laughs> it's my other obsession: the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower. Yeah. Golden Girls in Buffy. Yeah, like if I could ride a Billy Bumbler or B. Arthur, like that's all I need. <laughs> that's awesome. Have you ever seen? Did you ever see B. Arthur live? No, I never did. I got to see B. Arthur live once. It was it rub was, it in. It was rub amazing. salt in my wounds. I'm sorry. That's fine. I'm sorry. It was amazing. And she fell off the stage. Is she okay? Yo, yo, she she was okay. Yeah, she got up right away and yelled, "I'm okay," oh. from the orchestra pit. B. C. B and Buffy keep fighting no matter they what. They keep doing it. <laughs> awesome. If someone wrote a musical based on your life, what would it be called? These are hard questions. I know. These I know. are really hard I'm questions. I'm an asshole. With, I ask direct questions, and that's just um, an asshole thing to do. Uh, there's already a show on MTV called Faking It, but I love that title. <laughs> And given this is a theoretical musical, I'm going to borrow the title yeah. from the show Faking It, which I enjoy. Would it be I-N-G or I-N apostrophe? No, it's I-N apostrophe. Okay. Faking it. <laughs> and uh, what, what, would there be a hit love song? Or what would the hit, what would the big passionate? There would be a love song, but it would be very much like a fake love song. <laughs> it's all about faking things. <laughs> so well, it's, be a, it's a cynical show. Sort of operatic mumbling. Yeah, just ask me again in, like, ten years. We'll see where my life is. But right now, I'm going to go for the, like, cynical answer. <laughs> that seems good. Uh, in, in the final question for everyone on the podcast, this is not unique to you, is what is happiness? Um, well, <laughs> I think happiness is the safety and security that you feel when you are watching a show like Buffy. Or the Golden Girls, that makes you feel like you're at home and that nothing else matters. 
And I'm sure that the real people can bring you happiness too, but like <laughs> there's something happier to me about fictional worlds and I'm going to stick with that. That is awesome. Thank you very much. That's our podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Obsessed.